Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so <laughs> you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the yoga. No, uh, welcome to the Stochastic NHL Strategy Show, sponsored by Prize Picks. We have a new sponsor today. Thank you to BetMGM. We are now sponsored by Prize Picks. We'll have an offer about that later in the show. Uh, joining me, as always, some Cliffy. How was your weekend, Cliffy? Uh, not too bad, I guess. Um, didn't cash uh, on Saturday. Saturday was uh, a rough night for me. Uh, in the DFS streets, um, I, you know, those things just happen. Um, I went with uh, I went with a Vegas stack because Jonathan Marshall, so he was back. Oh, there's your goblet. He was back in the lineup uh, on Saturday night, and with a short-ish type slate, I think there were only seven games on Saturday night, seven or eight. Mm-hmm. But I thought we could get low ownership on him, and I thought it would be worth uh, taking the stab on him. So I stacked uh, the Eichel line on Saturday night, and they didn't do anything. Uh, <laughs> that's just kind of the way it goes. I still think it was a you know it was a fine play. Uh, Marshall came in at four percent, um, or you know thereabouts, or lower in some other contests. So. Um, kind of happy with the play. Didn't work out. That's DFS. How was your weekend? Oh yeah, I got curb stomped on Saturday. I used uh, used that Vegas line as well. I also used another line that did absolutely. Oh, the Blues <laughs> did also did nothing. I also had was it Forsberg in that who went like negative nine? Was that yeah. Saturday? Yeah. So yeah, it was an early log out for me on Saturday, but uh. Had a decent NFL day yesterday somehow. Yeah, I mean, I was frustrated with Saturday because I had I had a Suzuki or not Suzuki. I had a Doc and Caulfield um, in my early lineups, and they did pretty well. Doc scored. Caulfield, I think, had two goals in the shot bonus or something like that. You know, Jake Allen didn't do that well in net, but at least he ended up with positive points, which certainly uh, didn't look like it might be the case. So I was thinking, you know, maybe if if Vegas one can get there, I could have it, or Vegas two, I guess. Um, I could have another decent night, but alas, absolutely nothing. I did get 20 points from a 1% owned Evan Rodriguez, though. Evan Rodriguez, one off, 20 points, 1%. Uh, I'd rather win a GPP, but uh, I also don't mind giving myself a little slap on the back. It's one thing that we probably should – I mean, there are only four games today, so um, we got some time to talk about some things. That's one thing that I don't think it's that we don't talk about enough and I don't think it's used enough in DFS is using players that are returning from injury, especially if the news isn't really known, right? Like when we did the show on Saturday morning, we didn't know if Marshall was going to be playing that night. He, I think he was at practice on Friday, but that didn't guarantee anything. Um, Same thing with Evan Rodriguez. He had practiced on Friday, but it wasn't guaranteed that he would play on Saturday night. 
Um, Evan Rodriguez came in at 1%, which is something you don't get from the top Colorado players, right? I, I think Jonathan Marsh, so I was just looking at the $3, I think it was. Um, he came in at like 2.5%. You know what I mean? So I, I using the players that are coming back from injury, I think is something that is underutilized and can get you some very low-owned combinations, even on shorter slates, um, like I think it was seven games on Saturday. So I, I'd say that's one piece of advice. Certainly something that I try to keep in mind is is always paying attention to who's returned, not only who's returning from injury, but how long it's been since that news came out. Like, um, you know, we'll take the Washington guys, for example. Like, we found out last week, like Thursday or Friday, they would be returning on the weekend at some point. When they didn't play the first game, it was obvious that they were going to play on Sunday. So the ownership would probably be, you know, pretty reasonable for them. But if there had been no indication that they were coming back to the lineup, right? And then all of a sudden, early Sunday afternoon, it's like, well, Nicholas Backstrom's in the lineup tonight. There's probably not going to be much ownership on him. And that's something to that, you know, if you're playing DFS day in and day out, you're probably paying attention to the NHL news. Pay attention to when the injury information comes out, because when it comes out is pretty much just as important as the actual information itself. Yeah, and Evan Rodriguez ended up being on that top line too. Miko ran and went down to the second line, um, especially on like Sat- Fridays and Saturday slates. I, I don't want to like sound old, but like being older has its advantages because all these guys in their twenties are going out and going to their clubs, and they're you know they're in the champagne room, and then we're sitting in bed with neck and back pain, going, "Ooh, Evan Rodriguez, top line, let's put him in." You know what I mean? But like, yeah, but like people don't really react to news as well on the weekends as they do during the week. So, yeah, I mean, that is something to like between that and like late swapping. It, it, they're two of the more underutilized um, things in DFS. We got a fifty dollars super chat, by the way. Let's get to that real quick uh, from B Funk. We want the funk. Thank you, uh, fifty dollars. That is incredible. Six or I was going to say sixty nine. Ninety six X last night, including first in the twelve dollars single entry on DK. Thanks for all your free content, boys. No, thank you for tuning in. I saw the lineup. It was incredible. Congrats to you. I appreciate the support of you tuning in. And again, we're just here giving our advice. We'll probably be wrong more than we're right, but you're the one clicking the players in. So not us. You're making your own lineup. So congrats to you. Yeah. You know, we're just here talking um, about the games day in and day out and, you know, players we might play, players we might not play, players we might avoid, et cetera. Um, You know, we'll talk about dozens of players and, and, you know, a half dozen goalies or more um, every single every single show. Um, It's up to it's up to the people watching to actually put it in the lineup. So congrats to you on the great work. Congrats on the great night. And thank you very much for that $50 super chat. Yeah. Especially in single entry too, for the amount of like spaghetti we throw at the wall. Um, we talk about it off air. It's like crazy what some people take from it and what some, like everyone, everyone else, like everyone takes something different from the show. And it's just, sometimes I wish I could take my own advice on some of the good things, but you know, we talk about a lot. So it's hard to, you know, go, Oh man. If I just listen to myself in 37 minutes of the show, but it's not, you don't do that. You know what I mean? Like we have to talk about everything and, you know, I like helping. And I see a lot of these wins and a lot of these good nights and just happy. 
So congrats to you and keep it up. We have a four-gamer today. Four games are always interesting, um, especially this one. We have Buffalo at home to Flyers back-to-back on the road. There's McDavid on this slate. The Senators are on this slate. There's uh, Seattle with a massive road total in Montreal. So we should probably get into it a little bit here. But you know the drill. Before we do, give us a like and subscribe. We like the likes. So you can keep up with all of our shows, DFS offers, giveaway, and much more. Once you subscribe, smash that notification button to get alerts when our shows go live. Also, if you didn't know, we have a Hall of Fame, Stochastic Hall of Fame. Here are the steps to get in the Hall of Fame. First one's pretty easy. Just go to stochastic.com backslash avatar and download the Avi and change your avatar and DraftKings and FanDuel to it. Then you got a place in the top three of a contest with over 5,000 contestants. You tweet the win to at stochastichof on Twitter. If you don't have the old tweet machine, you can email us with your screenshot and you'll win a free month of Stochastic Plus Platinum. You can only qualify once a year. And you also get a shout out on our weekly Hall of Fame segment. So if you like your ego stroke, it's another perk. <laughs> I do, but they don't let me in because <laughs> hockey contests aren't big enough. <laughs> Yeah, you got to get you got to get into that mini max a little bit more. Yeah. So, yeah. Thanks, DraftKings. Let me just take a uh, stay hydrated, everyone. Yeah, it's been a while since Josh has uh, brought the goblet on the show, so you know it's a, you know it's an important slate uh, when the goblet makes an appearance. Pink shirt, goblet, big big day, big day. Philadelphia Flyers they. 2.7 total heading into Buffalo. The Sabres have a 3.9 total. Who's in net for the Flyers last night? Was it Hart? Yeah. Yeah, so Samuel Urson will probably be in net tonight, or it could be Hart on a back-to-back. We don't know. Old man Craig. Craig Anderson confirmed for the Sabres. Massive ownership here on the Buffalo top line. I just, you know, I, I just don't know how they don't get there tonight against the Flyers team back-to-back on the road. Possible AHL or net. These lines are a mess. Coming in 35-plus percent, but they have a massive projection, almost 50 DK points. Like, what what are you doing with the Sabres top line here? Because I, I feel like you have to make a choice between – I mean, I, uh, I don't feel like it. I know. You have to make a choice between the Sabres and the Oilers tonight. Yeah, um, I, I don't imagine it will be Carter Hart starting. I don't think he has a back-to-back start yet this year. I was just looking quickly um, over Torch his Torch is a notorious don't start goalies back-to-back coach as well. Yeah, so I, I would expect it's Urson. I mean, sometimes, you know, there are goalies in the AHL that are just kind of waiting for their chance to get called up to the NHL. I'm not sure Urson is that guy. Um you know, 910 save percentage this year, 893 last year in the AHL, have been playing over in Sweden for a few years after being drafted. I mean, any goalie can have a good night on any given night. We, You know, Phoenix Copley is carrying the Los Angeles Kings right now. Like this guy was a, a third goalie slash AHLer for pretty much his entire career. Um, that's just the way the, the, the nature of the position works. Um, it is... It is a very good spot for the Buffalo top line. Um, Philadelphia hasn't really been 
like that bad defensively for a little while now. I was looking at some of the expected goals numbers. Like they're basically in the middle of the league since uh, American Thanksgiving, which is about their last 20 games. Um, they're right between Dallas and Winnipeg. Like it, it's not that bad defensively. Um, it's just the problem. Well, there are a lot of problems uh, with the Philadelphia Flyers. One of the big problems is that they have trouble creating offense. And if they can't create anything, it just keeps the puck coming back into their zone and keeps their defense and their goaltending constantly under pressure. Right. So, um, you know, with Philly's, let's say struggle to create consistent offense consistently at five on five, it can leave them in the defensive zone a lot. And that's a problem when you have an AHL goalie in that like Samuel Urson. Um, I was looking at the Buffalo top lines, recent numbers, not like, blowing the doors off their last hundred minutes, three expected goals, four per 60 minutes, four and a half actual goals for those are still really good numbers. Just not what we saw um, earlier in the season. Yeah, like they had, they had, they've had hundred minute stretches of North of six and seven goals per 60 minutes. Like they've just been absolutely absurd. Um, you know, like Alex Tuck, you know, everybody thought he was a good player in Vegas. I don't think anybody thought he would be potentially a 90 point winger. Uh, type guy but that's kind of the pace that he's been on this season it just speaks to how well that buffalo top line has played basically the entire season like it's they haven't really had a cold stretch of like six or seven games in a row um where there you know nobody on the line is is ever getting there right it, it just seems like event like maybe they have an off game once in a while but it just seems like they just constantly get there over and over and i think that's why um, that top two stack probability is nearly 50% uh, per our top stacks tool. Um, they're 18% higher than the next closest stack, that being Edmonton. So it is a pretty good spot for Buffalo, the Buffalo top line. I think namely because of the way the line matching is going to work here. Now, it depends which line uh, Philadelphia or Buffalo considers their top line because Buffalo can do the line matching at home here tonight. I assume it's going to be the Travis Konechny, Joel Farabee line that they're going to be matched against just because Konechny has been Philadelphia's best player this year. And I don't think it's particularly close, even though Kevin Hayes got the nod to the all-star game, which is a whole other subject I could go on for for like 20 minutes, but I just don't feel like it right now. Um, I think they recognize Konechny is the most dangerous player the Flyers have. And so for that reason, the Buffalo top line is probably going to see a fair bit of them. Um, you know, that Konechny line has certainly not been that good this year. Uh, 1.9 expected goals for four expected goals against per 60 minutes in their time together. It's a 950 save percentage behind them that has saved their goals against numbers. And with Samuel Erson in net tonight, I don't know if they can expect a 950 save percentage uh, behind them. If, you know, if they really do start giving up just a flood of expected goals against um, like this Buffalo top line can do. So I think it's a really good matchup at five on five for the Buffalo top line. It's just whether it's a really good matchup for the penalty for the power play. Sorry. Um, if there's one thing Philadelphia is doing exceptionally well and has been for several weeks now, it's penalty killing. Um, again, over their last 20 games, going back to uh, Thanksgiving, the third fewest shots against per minute, when they're down a man, the only teams that have been better are Carolina and Calgary. Um, that is exceptional penalty killing. Now their actual goals against is a little bit lower. Um, thanks to 840 goaltending. Um, 
but it's still, you know, 12th in the league by goals against per minute. This is a good penalty kill that the Flyers are boasting. Um, that's a and you know, Buffalo's power play is a big part uh, of their upside, as it is with most top lines across the league, right? Um, you know, 24 of uh, Tage Thompson's 56 points have come on the man advantage. That's like 40% um, off the top of my head, something like that. It's a lot. And if the Buffalo power play doesn't get there, they have to do it all at five on five. And that's asking a lot. So if you're looking for a reason not to play a line that honestly, in some contests will see players push 50% ownership. I think you could see some contests, uh, single entry, especially single entry or three max where Tage Thompson is pushing at 50% ownership here. Um, if you want to avoid that super heavy ownership, the reason is the way the Flyers penalty kill um, has been going, but um, you know, the Buffalo top line has been able to shred just about any penalty kill that they have faced. So that's kind of the other side of the coin. But if you're looking for a reason, you know, if seven, seven and a half or eight hours from now, if we're looking at the scores and for some reason it's like, you know, Buffalo one, three, two, or something like that, Tage Thompson had a goal. Um, and you know, Skinner had a, an assistant four shot. If you're looking for a way that this line doesn't go off, it's the Philadelphia penalty kill is pretty good. So that is my one concern for Philly one. Other than that, like you said, back to back on the road, AHL goalie in that it's a really good spot for Buffalo. And I'm not going to say don't play them because of the ownership, because I think they might still have pretty good leverage um, just because of how good that line has been and how good the five on five matchup is for Buffalo. I think the real question here is what to do with the depth lines, because there's a lot of depth players on both sides that are of interest. On the last show, I mentioned um, how Buffalo had been playing a close game. I forget who it was against, but they're at home and they're up 4-3 late in the game. And Jack Quinn, J.J. Paterka, and Tyson Jost all rode the pines for the final, I think, seven minutes of the game plus overtime. And that happened again over the weekend against Minnesota. Um, it was a close game down the stretch. Um, Quinn and Paterka and Jost all rode the pines, I think, for the final seven or eight minutes of regulation in that game. And that's a problem for ice time. Like, if you look at the ice time, that Buffalo second line um, has been getting um, of late. There are a lot of, like, 12, 13-minute games. So while Quinn, Cousins, and Paterka are still playing well, there are times, you know, Cousins will probably play 17 minutes because he gets the top power play time, but you might get Paterka and Quinn 11, 12, 13 minutes, um, basically fourth line minutes. And that's one reason why I'm not super high uh, on going to that Buffalo line. But, you know, if the top power play goes off, then obviously Dylan Cousins will probably get in and you know that can bring the second line along, et cetera. So you can use them. I'm just really worried about ice time here. I honestly think the depth line for Buffalo that I would prefer to go to, and I can't believe I'm saying this, Oposo, Krebs, and Gergensons. Uh, those guys have actually been playing like anywhere between 13 and 16 minutes a game because they do get used at the end of games. They do get used uh, in, uh, I don't want to say shutdown roles necessarily, but uh, at times when the team needs more defense rather than offense, and Quinn and those guys will just sit on the bench. 
And, you know, Oposo had a hat trick a few games ago. It's because he's still a pretty good player. Um, he just doesn't get a ton of minutes or top power play time. Um, you know, that Buffalo third line has been playing to a slow pace, but nearly 50% by expected goal share, which is more than enough, you know, when you're playing against the second and third and fourth lines from Philadelphia. Um, so I honestly don't mind if you want to do like a just a one-off Kyle Oposo or one-off Peyton Krebs or something like that. There are going to be games that, you know, when they play, you know, if this is a tight game, they're going to end up with more ice time than Quinn and Paterka. Um, I still think there's a lot of upside to Quinn Paterka uh, and Cousins. I'm just worried about the ice. And, you know, Jack Quinn just really hasn't been shooting a lot, um, a lot of it ice time related. So I think it's the Oposo I like for the depth. You know, people want to play you know, Olsen and Middlestad or whatever. I, I think that's fine as a two-man as well. Um, Olsen had the... Um, overtime winner against uh, Minnesota the other night. You know, he can definitely score. It's kind of like that Mike Hoffman situation. Maybe he only plays 14 minutes, but he's still still probably going to score over 20 goals. Um, so I don't mind that, but I think it would be the Ocosa line that I, I would look to for maybe like a two-man or just a cheap one-off or something. But yeah, great on the Buffalo top line. For the Philly side, um, it probably is just going back to uh, Frost and Van Riemsdyk and Tippett. I do think that they see the second and third lines uh, from the Sabres here. Um, they have been playing well. Three expected goals, four, two and a half against in their minutes together. 4.4 actual goals um, per 60 minutes. Uh, you get two out of the three guys on the top power play unit with Frost and James Van Riemsdyk. Buffalo's penalty kill is pretty bad. Um you know, Owen Tippett has, I was just looking, 26 shots in his last 10 games, so you can stack the whole line. Like, he's still getting involved offensively. You know, considering how cheap this line is, JVR, Tippett, and Frost, I'm surprised they're not really coming in with that much ownership. Like, this seems like one of those lines that could easily go with, um, you know, a heavy Edmonton stack or an expensive Ottawa stack or even a game stack here with Buffalo. I mean, how many more, how many more 12 goal game Buffalo games do we need to see before we start game stacking them every once in a while, like stacking Philly and Buffalo in a game stack is perfectly fine as well. I think it's the frost line that I like best. They've been playing well. I don't think they see a ton of the shutdown matchups. It's a, it's a good power play spot for them. That would be the line I would go to. I will say the, the Hayes, Lawton, uh, Wade Allison line is also playing pretty well together. 3.1 expected goals for 3.1 actual goals in their time together. Um, Lawton is number two in ice time over their last half, half dozen games behind Travis Konechny amongst their forwards. And you get Hayes on the top power play unit. So I think there are multiple depth, depth, they're not depth, multiple lines that are playable from the Flyers, but it's either the Frost or the Hayes lines that I would go to. Um, I think the Oposo line for the depth on the, on the Buffalo side, but honestly, if I'm looking for a depth line in this game, it's on the Philly side. It's not on the Buffalo side. Yeah. And here's why, here's my thoughts on why the JVR Tippett frost line is going to come in. So low owned. There are three lines on the Seattle team that we'll get to next. The 3.6 total who are similarly priced. So you're going to see a lot of Buffalo one with some of these Seattle lines. So I think like on a four game slate, as long as you're not stacking lines and get going against each other, I think game stacking is perfectly fine. And I agree with you. If I'm going to game stack this Buffalo game, it's going to be Buffalo one with that Van Riemsdyk line. Get two guys on the top power play for 9K. Sabres penalty kill, as you mentioned, is not good. Craig Anderson's 644 years old. Like, 
yeah, he has good games once in a while, but it can't be relied on. So, yeah, like, I don't mind that Flyers line. I don't know, like, how much. Like, I don't think you have to full stack the line. You can with Tippett. You can leave Tippett off and get, you know, JVR and Frost for 9K and then, you know, plug in a high upside one-off. But, you know, it's fine. And then on the Buffalo side, I know the Flyers have a good penalty kill, but here's my worry for the Flyers penalty kill. One, Samuel Erson's is not, it's not Carter Hart. Two, if they decide to shade towards Tage Thompson's side with, you know, like how Thompson kind of sets up in the Ovechkin office, Jeff Skinner's is going to kill him. Yeah. Because Skinner can shoot the puck too. Like, if it's not Thompson, it's Skinner, you know, and Tuck is a excellent puck mover. So, like, this is why the Sabres can absolutely just shred anyone on the power plays because Tuck can move the puck well. Darlene, or Rasmus Dahlin can just absolutely bomb him from the point. If you shade towards Thompson, Skinner's going to kill you. If you, if you shade towards Skinner, Thompson's going to kill you. And then Dylan Cousins is a good net front presence. So, like, I don't even mind one-off and Cousins here. Like, if you want to go Edmonton tonight, like, Dylan Cousins right now is projected at 4%. Even if that it comes up to, like, 8 9%, like, you're getting a power play one guy in a 3.9 total on a four-game slate under 10%. So, like, I, I get the concerns with the with the shots here, but, like, I don't know how many shots the Sabres are really going to need to score on. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty good point. So like, yeah, I, I I I do love the uh the Sabres top line here. I also like don't mind adding in cousins or one off in cousins if you want to go with Edmonton. So the depth stuff, like Dylan Cousins is my favorite depth player, obviously, but like if you do really need some cheap cheap two mans like Cre- uh Krebs Ocposo for fifty four hundred lets you get in power play stacks and that. So yeah. Surprisingly, I do like that the flyer side a bit here because, like, everyone's like, "Oh yeah, Buffalo," but like they're awful defensively, and you know we saw that in the what was it that um, Columbus game where Thompson had like forty eight goals, like they went up like seven nothing, and then end up being like a close game. So like, I think there's some serious merit, especially if you don't want to eat the Seattle chalk to pivoting to the to the Flyers here. So let's move on to that Seattle game. The Seattle Kraken with a 3.6 total heading into Montreal. The Canadiens have a 2.8 total. Party Marty, Senor Fiesta, Martin Jones, and Samuel Dikembe Montembeau are confirmed. They said Mike Hoffman's going to be back. Uh, did they Did they skate? No. Yeah, so, I mean, he's in our fourth line right now in the lineup builder, but it could easily be like Dvorak, Hoffman, and Josh Anderson on that second line. We'll have to see in warm-ups. Not too much ownership on the Habs top line here. Like, we've talked a lot, or you have, about Nick Suzuki lately and his lack of shooting. But Caulfield shoots, and Martin Jones is in net, and they're coming in under, you know, 7%. They're not overly expensive here. They're under 16K, if my math is correct, which could be wrong, but it's around that. 7% 7% going into Martin Jones. Don't mind that. Because if you look on the other side here, there are three lines on Seattle and they're all getting double digits. So like... <sighs> That's actually crazy. Yeah. And so like while it's a very good power play spot, the problem is Seattle splits their units almost evenly. 
And neither unit's playing that well right now. They both suck. <laughs> okay, that's a better way to put yeah. it, I guess. So, like, if if you take ownership into account an, an account on all these these lines, I honestly think my favorite one-off from Seattle is Daniel Sprong because he scores on the power play. Yeah, and so you're looking to get Sprong. Sprong? Sprong. Sprong. You're looking to get Sprong. Yeah. I'd like to get Sprong. All right. Um, <laughs> the way I was thinking about Montreal 1 is, you know, I used them on Saturday night, and I think it's a stack that I'm going to use a lot more often. It's just putting Doc and Caulfield together and leaving Suzuki off. Um, the problem with Suzuki right now is he's just, like you said, he's just not shooting like at all. And even if he goes out and gets a goal and an assist on DK, that's not even three X, right? And you can't rely on him going to get a shot bonus with two assists or something like that. That's just not something that's kind of in his fantasy profile right now. Like he needs either, you know, a three point bonus with three assists or like, a goal, you know, or a goal to assist or score multiple goals on like three shots. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a pretty thin path with Suzuki. It is party Marty and net. <laughs> like uh, we have seen a lot of teams pile up a lot of goals against them. So, you know, if there is a situation where I wouldn't mind stacking the entire top Montreal line, it might be tonight with Seattle in town in that goaltending in net because Seattle goaltending as good as their offense has been, their goaltending's just been absolutely putrid. I think putrid would be a good that word. That might be being kind. Basically, since the start of last season, um, nothing has gotten better. So um, I don't hate the idea of full stacking that Montreal top line. Like you said, um, getting like good leverage here tonight. Uh, fifth in leverage behind uh, Edmonton, Buffalo, and two Ottawa lines we'll get to next. And I mean, it's just a function of um you know those other lines just a function of them um being so good offensively that people just won't own own them to the right level but um you know this is one of five lines at you know around or above 10 percent top two stack probability on this slate so i think there's definitely some merit to using montreal here tonight if you are worried about you know kirby doc doesn't shoot a lot either um, the difference is, is, you know, I think he's 3,800 against Suzuki's 5,300 on DraftKings. Um, you know, just one off Cole Caulfield. I, like, I think that's perfectly fine. Like Caulfield's in the way the, with the rate that Caulfield shoots, he's basically in play almost every slate. Um, just use him as a one off. If you don't want a full stack, if just duo stack with Kirby doc, if you want, they play all the important minutes together. So, you, you know, you don't have to include Suzuki. I just think that this is, you know, one of those spots where you might want to include them. Um, you know, 2.9 expected goals for 2.7 against for that line over their last four weeks. They've been playing well. Um, just, you know, the shooting percentage is at 7%, not 20% where it was back, you know, like early November or whatever it was. Um, the other thing here is uh, Montreal has been using uh, the Jake Evans line as a shutdown line. Now, for me, that says that they're going to be going into the Maddie Beneers line. The Jake Evans line will be going into the Maddie Beneers line. So that leaves Doc and Caulfield going up against that Wenberg McCann line from Seattle. And that Wenberg McCann line, like I know McCann has been scoring and it's because he's shooting 27%. Um, but that line just has not been good. Wenberg and McCann, 60 minutes together this year, 2.3 expected goals for three against 3.8 
actual goals against as the goaltending has predictably let them down. Like, I think this is one of the few five-on-five matchups this Montreal top line will get that actually favors them. So I don't mind Montreal one here. We don't know exactly what the rest of the lines are going to look like because we don't know what they're going to be like with Mike Hoffman. Maybe Hoffman just replaces um, Richard on the fourth line and then, you know, you don't have to worry about him. But I think there's a chance um, Hoffman just slots alongside uh, Josh Anderson and Christian Dvorak. And if that would be the case, I would have a little bit of interest in that because Hoffman, Anderson, and Dvorak would be going out pretty consistently against the bottom six from Seattle. Um you know, not bad matchups uh, for them. And you get Christian Dvorak on the top power play unit for whatever that's worth. And it's worth very little in Montreal. So if we get some sort of confirmation that, you know, Hoffman is going to be playing on the second line with Dvorak, I would have a little bit of interest in them. With Slavkovsky there, I have none. Um, Slavkovsky, Dvorak, and Josh Anderson are rocking a 37% shot attempt share together this season. Now, not a huge sample uh, together, um, but Dvorak and Slavkovsky in over 100 minutes together, 30% uh, expected goal share. They're getting absolutely killed. Um, so, you know, for that reason, I, you know, unless Hoffman's there, I don't want to full stack the line because it's not a good five on five line. Josh Anderson is not a big two way play driver. He can drive play offensively, but he's a big liability defensively. And that's not going to help Slavkovsky and Dvorak, that's for sure. So, if Hoffman's on that second line, then I would have some interest. I don't really have a ton of interest in that Armia Evans to Don offline. The only reason I would. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to first choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more. For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so <laughs> you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. Is because the Beneers line hasn't been particularly good defensively anyway, and as a shutdown line, they, that Montreal-Evans line should see some reasonable minutes, right? Um, because they are going to be constantly going out against the top line from, from Seattle. Um, but the only depth line I would have interest in is Anderson, Dvorak, and Hoffman, um, if Hoffman ends up on that line in warm-up. Other than that, it would just be one-offs, like a one-off, um, you know, Anderson, one-off Armia, one-off Hoffman, something along those lines. On the Seattle side, I was it kind of sucks to see that Seattle three line, um, Gord, Bjorkstrand, and Tolvanen coming in with so much ownership. Um, that would be one. That was one of the lines I was kind of looking towards to maybe stacking um, with expensive Ottawa players, with expensive Edmonton or Buffalo players, what have you. Because um, Tolvin is fitting like a glove alongside uh, Gordon Bjorkstrand. Um, that line's up around near 40 minutes so far. Um, 2.8 expected goals for, 2.4 expected goals against. Um, two out of the three players, um, Bjorkstrand and Tolvin, and playing uh, on the Vinnie Dunn power play unit. So you get two guys at least on the same power play unit together. 
Um, they're just coming in with absurd ownership. Like you mentioned, I'll bring up our top stacks tool here real quick so we can show Seattle. Um, 1.5% ownership on the fourth line. I think that makes sense. But 14.7%, Matty Beneers, 10.6% on the Wenberg line, 13.7% on the Seattle line. Um, you add all those up together, um, you're going to get, including the fourth line, about four in every 10 DFS lineups is going to have some sort of Seattle stack in them. Um, that's just kind of the problem with using, um, you know, those depth lines from Seattle. Uh, I don't hate the idea of using Beneers, Burakovsky, and Eberly. Um, they are shooting way too hot at 22%, but they're all on the top power play unit together. Um, they'll all skate around 16, 17 minutes, which is actually kind of high for the Seattle team because they do spread the ice time around quite a bit. It is the Beneers line I like best, but I'm not going to lie to you. Um, Bjorkstrand, Gordon, Tolvanen, I think is the line that's playing the best for Seattle at the moment. So I don't even hate just a one-off Bjorkstrand, one-off Tolvanen. I think if you need a center, a one-off Yanni Gordon is just fine, something like that. So for me, it's Montreal 1, maybe Montreal 2 if Hoffman's there, where we might not find out until warm-ups. On the Seattle side, it's Seattle 3 that I like best, but they're coming in with the most negative leverage. So I don't know how excited I am to use them. Other than that, it would be uh, the Matty Veneers line, just because they are all in the power play together. And Montreal's penalty kill is an abomination. Yeah. And I think uh, using these Seattle lines are fine. Don't get me wrong. Like, they're just way higher owned than I want them to be. If you're, if you're jamming them in with Buffalo 1, just be aware of what you're doing when you're filling in your last spots with defensemen. You know what I mean? So, like, you don't want to be duped in a smaller field. Generally, you aren't. But, you know, just be aware. And I went and looked while you were talking about the Canadians. They've played 40 games this season. Here's here's the shot numbers. Nick Suzuki in 40 games has 72 shots on goal. Kirby Dock has 69 shots on goal. That's 141 shots combined. In 40 games, Cole, Cole Caulfield has 136. So, like, the other two have five more than Caulfield combined. It. So, I mean, Caulfield's almost four shots a game. So, yeah, in, in the 20 games – uh, since Thanksgiving, Suzuki has 29 shots. That's less than one and a half shots per game over his last quarter of the season. That's serious Alex Wenberg territory. It's hard to play Suzuki unless he's like 4,100 or unless he starts shooting more. Yeah, 72 shots in 40 games. Like, that's, that's under two a game. It's just, he's just not shooting. Anyway. As we mentioned off the top, we are sponsored by Prize Picks. Click the link in the description below to get one free month Stochastic Plus Platinum and up to a $100 deposit match bonus when you sign up and make a deposit with Prize Picks. Prize Picks is awesome because it's not a daily, it's not like a daily fantasy sports contest. It's just daily props. You're not playing against other people, so you don't have to worry about uh, Jake taking your money. There's no sharks, no optimizers, or mass entries. A five player lineup can yet net you up to 10x your entry fee. You can also use multiple sports. So if you're into NBA, you can put some NBA in there with some hockey, some UFC coming up this weekend, football, college football, college basketball, all the good stuff. Um, got a couple NHL prize picks for you. Uh, I was looking through it before the show. Not legal in New Jersey, but I am able to see them. They're both Edmonton props. Leon Dreisaitl over three shots on goal, 3.0, which is nice. So if he ends up on three. It pushes. And then Zach Hyman over three and a half. So he needs four to get that. But he has been shooting the puck recently. So those are your prize picks. 
make sure to click the link in the description below and get your one free month stochastic plus platinum and your deposit max bonus let's move on nashville predators with a 2.9 total heading into ottawa the senators have a 3.1 total UC Soros, Cam Talbot confirmed. Senators' power play has been cooking. Nashville penalty kill is putting out is trying to put out fires, and they just are using gasoline to try to put out the fire. I really like the Senators' power play here. They're not getting much ownership. They're not as expensive as Buffalo and Edmonton. I think you kind of find yourself in more of a mid-range build here with the Senators, but I think there is a lot of merit to going to a Senators power play stack just because, like, I think people are a little bit nervous about the 3.1 total here, scaring off some people, but, like, this is a spot. Predators penalty kill really bad. Soros has bailed them out of late, but it's, you know, they've given up, I think it's, what, like the second most shots we're talking about how like the flyers give up the third least the predators give up the third most or something around there. It's, it's definitely close to the most. Um, and then on the predator side, like these lines are just brutal. It's a pretty good matchup though. Like I wish some of these lines were playable to full stack. I just can't get behind anything really. Uh, yeah. The Nashville penalty kill, like basically for the entire season has been roughly the middle of the league by penalty kill percentage. They have definitely seen some pretty low lows uh, on the PK. Don't get me wrong. Um, And if you look at their actual goals against um, it's not very far from um, it's, I think it's just outside the top 20 uh, since Thanksgiving. So like near the bottom 10 of the league since Thanksgiving, like even UC Saros hasn't been able to save this team uh, on the PK. And yeah, Nashville's, or uh, sorry, Ottawa's top power play minute or top tower top power play. Jeez, has been uh, excellent in their last forty minutes together. I was looking since December first. Now remember, Tim Stutzla missed a few games in there with that shoulder injury, but um, over thirteen goals per sixty minutes um, on the power play, shooting under twenty percent. So it's not like a wildly high shooting percentage or anything like that. It's that's basically been the case for them all season. They are just. Uh, really, really dynamic uh, with the man advantage. And it's, you know, uh, you know, like the top Buffalo guys, it's a big part of their fantasy um, profiles. Like, uh, you know, Stutzla is at 17 power play points on the season, which I think for him as well is about 40% of his overall production. So yes, the power play is very important for Ottawa. And not only is, does Nashville's penalty kill struggle at times, um, they do take a fair amount of penalties. They're at three and a half times shorthanded per game. League average um, is at about uh, 3.25, give or take. So they're well above uh, average in that regard. And Ottawa leads the league in power play opportunities per game. Um, they're just a shade of head of uh, uh, Buffalo um, that we talked about earlier. So, Ottawa certainly could see four or five power plays here tonight at home against Nashville. And if they do that, they stand a a pretty good chance of, you know, at least one power play goal, if not multiple, which would be really, really nice. Um, The problem with the Ottawa top line um, had been shooting percentage. That's something that we talked about over and over uh, on the show, pretty much whenever Ottawa was on over their last four weeks, though, um, three uh, point five, 
uh, actual goals scored per 60 minutes, 2.9 expected goals for. They've started to actually score. And being able to score a five-on-five is kind of the final piece for all their top guys to unlock that next level of fantasy um, upside. And if they can do that consistently, if they can, you know, start being – you know, they don't have to be Buffalo one and score five goals every 60 minutes, even somewhere between like three and three and a half would be a massive upgrade over what they did over the first 25 games of the season and would be a pretty big difference maker in the DFS realm um, over the final half of the season. So I do think it's a pretty good matchup for that Ottawa top line. Um, it's I don't think it matters what the five on five line they're going to match against is the Nashville top line. Um, I call I call the Parson and Forsberg line the top line. Any line with Philip 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 Forsberg, I consider Nashville's top line. People want to use another one, go right ahead. I think it's going to be the Forsberg line. The Forsberg line over seventy shot attempts against per sixty minutes of five on five. That's a really really bad defensive number. Uh, the Nino Niederreiter line three expected goals against per sixty minutes together. Also a really bad defensive number. Ryan Johansson and uh, Mark Jankowski in 40 minutes together, five on five, 67 shot attempts against for 60 minutes. Also a really bad defensive number. This team sucks. Um, the only thing that's saving them is UC Soros. We saw that the other night when he had to make over 60 saves so the team could win. Like this is just a really, really bad Nashville lineup. And I think it makes for a tremendous matchup at five on five for that Ottawa top line that has been dominant, like more or less the entire season. They just have been having trouble finishing. If those percentages are starting to turn around, like I said, it makes a huge difference for them in the DFS game. So I really do like um, the Ottawa top line here. of Stuart Kachuk uh, and uh, Giroux. Um, they're coming in with very good leverage. Like that Ottawa top line is third, um, by top two stacks on our top stacks tool, but is coming in sixth in ownership and has the third highest leverage on the slate. I really do like Ottawa one. If you want to get more of a power play stack and put into Brinkat or put in Batherson or just use all five guys from the top power play unit, I think all those things are definitely in play here for Ottawa. It's the Ottawa power play guys that I really like in this matchup. On the Nashville side, these are frustrating lines to work with for a number of reasons. One is they've really started to spread out the ice time in Nashville, which is a big problem. Like I think um, Michael Granlin is leading them in ice, leading the Fords in ice time over the last six games at like 17 and a half minutes or 18 minutes or something like that. Like Philip Forsberg's at like 16 to 16 and a half minutes. It's a problem. They're really spreading out um, the ice time. I think for that reason, I would probably go – you know, if you need a super cheap line, I think Niederreiter, Granlin, and Glass um, is definitely in play. Um, Cody Glass, I talk about scoring chance contribution numbers here on the show from time to time. It's from a guy on Twitter that just literally just watches hundreds of games every year and hand tracks everything that happens. His name's Corey Snazer. I should probably shout him out. Like, Cody Glass's scoring chance contribution the numbers this year are similar to Steven Stamkos. He like this was a guy that was a highly touted prospect. He just never figured it out at the NHL level. If he actually has started to figure it out, maybe this is for real. Like we need to see a bigger sample from him, but he's been he's been very, very good for them. So I don't even hate 
just a two man of like Niederreiter and Glass or something like that. I think that would be the line I would go to. Uh, Duchesne, Johansson, and Janikowski seem like the third line at this point, so I'm not super high on them. Um, Forsberg, Parson, and Sisson certainly can be used, um, especially considering Forsberg is their best offensive player, and you generally want to get the best offensive player in your stack. But I think it's Niederreiter and Glass as a two man that I would lead to here from the Nashville side. Yeah, I, I'm just not a fan of these Nashville lines. Like, I, I guess like Glass Needed Rider is fine because they're super cheap. Like, they're 57, sorry, 6,700 for the two of them. Um, they've been playing pretty good hockey. So, but this game for me, uh, Ottawa Power Play. Um, if you want to stack the top line, you can. Drew has been very, very good. If you want to leave him off for Batherson or DeBrin Cat, I think that is fine as well. But yeah, just not a huge fan of Nashville. I, I am a big fan of stacking against Nashville, though. <laughs> and we I, we do like the city. Let's say that. Yeah. Oh, the city's great. Yeah, just needs a needs some like a casino with a nice sports book, and ooh, I might move there. Anyway, yeah, um, we have an NHL five day free trial, risk free that you can sign up for. It'll give you full access to everything. Uh, Stochastic has to offer projections, ownership, top stacks, rankings, everything you need to succeed at NHL DFS. You also get access to the Discord, which is invaluable. Get you all the late breaking line news. Get you. We talk about all sorts of things. There's a. Uh, those are the projections. Those are ownership projections. Those are the top stacks tool. That is the lineup builder. At the end of the show, if we have time, we will build a lineup with you guys. Uh, I love that the lineup builder is my favorite tool. Uh, besides Niehaus telling me how to cook steaks in a catering tray in the chat. He's 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 who he is. So come in, join the Discord, get that five-day free trial, and we'll see you in the Discord. Let's get to the last game of the night. Edmonton Oilers, 3.2 total. Heading into Los Angeles, the Kings have a 3.3 total. Stu Skinner is confirmed. Phoenix Copley is probable. While we are on the air, Oilers had morning skate. They kind of mixed up their lines a little bit here. Clint Costin on the top line, McDavid and Yamamoto. Ryan McLeod, or McLeod is on the second line with Dryside on Hyman. Ryan Nugent Hopkins drops down to the third line center with uh, Will Fogel and Matthias Janmark. Jesse Pooley-Arvey down on the fourth line. Just trade him already. Anyway, now that they kind of – Oilers kind of depified. I don't know that's not even a word, but depified their lineup. Not really sure here because you would think that the Deneau line is going to go out against top comp. I, I would assume he's going to go out against McDavid. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Which is probably why that that King's second line is getting so much ownership right now. Uh, just because they're going to play, you know, they're probably going to get a minutes bump here. Um, like I, I don't like stacking Edmonton when leaving off McDavid. So I th- like five on five wise, I think the second line is my preferred line. But if you want to leave off, you know, Ryan McLeod and adding Connor McDavid there, just listen, like I'm a broken record with the Oilers, guys. Just play the power play, guys. This is a very good power play spot. Phoenix Copley has been out of his mind, which is the only, you know, drawback here. But this is the Oilers here. Their power play is ridiculous. You play the power play, guys. With not Ryan Nugent Hopkins moving down to that third line, I think he'll be the – well, he usually is anyway. He'll be the lowest owner of the power play, guys. But especially here now, being on the third line. So I think, you know, getting him in will get you on a different path. On the Kings side – that second line is getting a ton of ownership, and I get it because they're going to, you know, they're cheap. The Oilers stink defensively. I just don't know. Like, I, I might just go to, like, a power play stack of my own here. Go, like, Kopitar, Kempe, Fiala, and call it a day. Yeah, I – here's the thing with Ryan McLeod on the second line for Edmonton is, like, if this game is 2 nothing in the second period for the Kings, is Ryan McLeod going to stay on the second line? Or are they – are they just going to stack up McDavid, Hyman, and Dreisaitl on the top line and play them for 40 minutes? You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of the problem is, like, unless Edmonton gets out to a, uh, I'd say, significant and early lead, I don't think McLeod lasts the entire game on the second line beside Dreisaitl. Now, you can still play him because all he needs um, at his price is uh, basically to chip in, um, you know, he's been priced. All he needs is, like, an assist in a couple shots and, you know, he smashed his value. Like he can get there in one period um, on dry sidles wing. So it's fine to use him. I just don't think it's like perfect. It's just not necessary. Um, the McDavid line is probably going to see Kings two Kings two since adding uh, Alex. I follow has been just lights out defensively 1.9 expected goals against per 60 minutes. It's that's like an elite defensive number. Um, 0.9 actual goals because Phoenix Coxley has been playing so well. It's a McDavid is matchup proof. We always say that. Um, and especially where, you know, he's going to come in. We have him at 12% ownership here tonight uh, against Tace Thompson's 38% ownership. That should probably give you an indication that maybe it is a good idea to play Edmonton tonight. But if I do that, I'm with you. It's power play stacking. It's playing McDavid and Dreisaitl with Hyman or, you know, I think you can do, like, McDavid and Nugent Hopkins and Dreisaitl. Like you said, Nugent Hopkins is probably going to be the, the lowest owned um, of the four power play forwards. So there are a number of ways you can stack Edmonton here. I mean, um, Edmonton's still drawing amongst the most power plays in the league. They're um, third in the league behind Ottawa and Buffalo. So, actually, you get the three teams drawing the most power plays on an eight-team slate here tonight. That should be should make things pretty interesting. Uh, the Kings uh, above uh, below average by time shorthanded per game. So they're giving up, um, you know, more than the league average in power plays per game. So Edmonton should get, you know, maybe four opportunities uh, here tonight or something. 
Um, the King's penalty kill, not very good. <laughs> we say that basically every show. Uh, 22nd by shots against since Thanksgiving. I think they're bottom six by goals against. And that's even with Phoenix Copley in net for a lot of those games. Um, I do think with how low Edmonton is coming in, like it's another reason uh, to not play Buffalo one here tonight, right? Is like if you don't want to play a Tage Thompson line that honestly could come in at like 40% owned in some single entry or three max contest. Go power play stack the Edmonton Oilers at one-third the ownership. You know what I, you know what I mean? Um, so I do like the idea of Evan, uh, stacking the Edmonton power play here just because um, it is a, one, it is a good power play spot. And two, it um, presents much, much less ownership uh, than Buffalo um, at home earlier in the slate. So I do like the Edmonton power play. I will say on the Kings side, and I hate that they're coming in with as much ownership as they have, but that Fiala Velarde Lazat line is kind of interesting to me. Um, they're right around 50 minutes together, a little bit less. 61 shot attempts, 453 again for 60 minutes, 54% shot share. They're going to be used against the bottom six from Edmonton. And uh, let's just say that they had to move Ryan Nugent Hopkins down there for a reason, is because the bottom six from Edmonton was not doing a thing. Um, Velarde has been, has really good defensive metrics this year. Fiala has really good offensive metrics. I think they complement each other pretty well. Lazat is cheap. Velarde and Fiala uh, both on the top power play unit together. Um, so you get two out of three guys on the power play. They might come in with like, you know, eight, nine, 10% ownership, maybe depending on the contest. But I still think going up against Edmonton's bottom six, it's a pretty good matchup for them. And the Edmonton penalty kill is not good either. And like I said, you get two out of the three guys on the top power play unit. So out of all the Kings line, I think it's Lazat, Velarde, and Fiala that I would lean to. But in this game, it's the Edmonton power play I like best. Yeah, Edmonton power play for me for sure. Kevin Fiala is one of my favorite one-offs tonight. Like him and Dylan Cousins, if you're looking to like avoid that massive top line ownership, um, you probably could fit Buffalo on with Fiala easily. Like you just have to get it. A little creative, but like, like Fiala getting Fiala's a shooter, and you're going to get these Edmonton matchups. The Edmonton penalty kill is awful. Like, there's a reason there's the here come the oil or like mantra, or whatever you want to call it. Like, they're just bad. So, yeah, Fiala Velarde, two man top power play, 9,900. You can do them, do some stuff with that. Like, people. And that's why they're getting more ownership than the top line. Because, like, yeah, the top line ha- gets two guys in the top power play as well. But, like, Kopitar isn't the DFS player he was three years ago. Kempe shoots, sure. But, like, Quentin Byfield doesn't do too much on that line. Fiala's the scorer. He's the shooter. If Velarde, you know, contributes a little bit, you're you're doing well here. So, yeah, Kings three, Edmonton power play for me. That is quite the four-gamer we have here. Um, coming up after us, we have the No House Advantage Monday Night NBA at 3.30 with Gundacker and Terry, then the NBA Deeper Dive, and then NBA Live before lock. So make sure if you're an NBA fella or lady to stick around for that. Let's talk a little defenseman here. Like, there's some big guns on this slate. Like, Rasmus Dahlin, 7,300. Roman Yossi, 8,900. Tomas Chabot, 6,300. And then, you know, you have the other power play guys like 
in the 4Ks like Dowdy and Barry that you have to at least consider. I think I, I'm going to take a stand here. I think my favorite defenseman here is Tomas Chabot. I, I, I think Rasmus Dahlin is perfectly fine, and he's very chalky. And if you want to put in Buffalo and Dahlin, that might be a little bit way to eat the chalk a little bit, despite all four of them being very chalky, because it's going to put you on a drastically different build. But you bought uh, over $1,000 cheaper, an amazing power play spot. So you bought my favorite defenseman. These punt guys, like like Jamie Alexiak at 3K, Nick Sealer, min price. Uh, like, again, this slate for, like, punt defenseman. My son, Artem Zub at 3K is all right. Alex Carrier, 2800 But, like, I, I think this is an interesting night to spend up. Yeah, um... Here's my problem with playing Roman Yossi tonight is that his ice time has gone down. He's been at about 24 minutes a game over his last 10 games. And with it, his peripherals have gone down. He was at four and a half shots per game through his first 28 games per season, which is just absolutely absurd uh, shot rates. That's down to 3.6 per game over his last 10 as his ice time has gone down. Like, it's tough to pay basically Austin Matthews prices for a defenseman shooting three and a half shots per game. You know what I mean? I like, I don't care about the matchup. So I think, you know, he's going to be higher owned, but I think the defenseman I would, the super expensive defenseman I would use is Dolan. But I agree with you. I think of the six K plus defense on DraftKings tonight at Shabbat. I like, I also like Darnell nurse. Um, not a lot in the mid price range. I like um, Drew Doughty, obviously fine. If you want to go uh, Kings power play against that Edmonton penalty kill, but it's probably Jake Sanderson from Ottawa that I don't mind. Um, you know, I think it's a good, better matchup than people realize against Nashville. And I think he's having a very underratedly good season for Ottawa. He's really good at driving the play. Um, don't mind him if you want to get a bit different in that mid-price range. Should probably mention Yam Cork from uh, Philly. Uh, Tony D'Angelo got benched in their last game and York got moved to the top power play unit. So something to watch at the at Philly warmups. Um, is D'Angelo even in the lineup? Probably should be. Um, York is going to at least be running the second power play unit, if not the top unit. Don't mind him. Justin Schultz as well. I always play Justin Schultz over Vinny Dunn. Obviously, it would have burned me the last couple of games. Don't mind him. Uh, Alex Carrier as well. Oh, man. Do we have to play goalie tonight? <laughs> yeah. oh, these choices are just miserable. Who you liking in that? <laughs> <laughs> I think tonight it'd be a road warrior night for me. Uh, Stewie Skinner, now that he's confirmed, don't mind him on the road uh, against Los Angeles. Um, UC Saros as well, um, you know, going up against uh, Ottawa team. That has struggled to score 5-5 five five for most of the season. If Nashville doesn't crash on the penalty kill, Saros can have another good, good night. Um, if you want to pay up, I think the guy to pay up for, um, I guess, guess would be Craig Anderson, but I don't think I'm going to be doing that. I think for me, it's, it's Saros or Skinner or maybe Cam Talbot uh, for Ottawa. Yeah. I think, you know, my favorite game for goalies is that Predators Senators game. It's just, you know, if you want to, you know, strap in to your racing chair, you can put in Phoenix Copley, you know, I, I, I don't think any goalie is out of the equation here besides Samuel Erson. You can play Samuel Erson. He's definitely at the bottom of the list. 
I think you have to consider everyone, but the one I would consider the least would be Urson. It's just if you have any lean at all tonight in goal, just play that guy. But I, I think I agree, Stu Skinner, Talbot, Saros. The spend up would be Craig Anderson. Who are you looking for your hat trick pick? I didn't think he'd be as chalky as he is, but I'm going to go with it anyway. Uh, I'm going to live by your words and try to introduce a little spice here. Oliver Bjorkstrand from Seattle. There we go. We got two third liners for our hat trick picks. Mine's going to be Kevin Fiala. There we go. I like it. Um, you want to try build a lineup real quick? Yeah, let's build a lineup. Let's use our lineup builder uh, here real quick. Um, you can see, obviously, the names um, and the lines for each team. Um, you see their prices. These are the DraftKings prices, obviously, ownership, individual projection, and line projection. I was thinking just show a game stack here for that Philly-Buffalo game because it's something yeah, that we've I was thinking put in Buffalo one with Darlene and see how limited you become. I mean, if you put in Buffalo one and Dolan, and then you go for, I think Erson's the cheapest goalie on the slate. I mean, you're not going to use him against your stack. So I'll go with Montembeau. Let's use Montembeau and Kovacevic as a pure punt. Um, you have 10,200 left for your secondary stack. That's if you use the cheapest goalie, second cheapest goalie cheapest goal you can use that's not going against your stack and a full punt you're looking at 10,200 um if you that's screaming yeah if if you <laughs> want to line it up you're like need a rider granlin and glass would fit i mean we could use that we could use um we could josh stack the same yeah, let's, let's take out let's take out Darlene, though and let's let's try to game stack and see what see what we can do Okay, let's do that. Let's go back to Philly. I'm going to use the Van Riemsdyk line. Um, yeah. Seems reasonable. Okay, so 13-8 remaining. That's not bad. Yeah, let's use, let's, use Skinner. let's use Stewie yeah. Skinner. Let's use Skinner and Net. So 31-50 for our, each, for our two defensemen left. Um, do you want to correlate the defensemen or does it not matter? So one thing I've been doing less is correlating defensemen when they're cheap, just because like, like, yeah, maybe they're going to get some five on five ice time together. But when you're down to the nitty gritty there, I think you go for the high upside plays like Carrier or, you know, like the guys who might get the block bonus instead of forcing a correlation in with like some guy on Buffalo or Philly that you don't need to like sealer makes some sense there. He's min price. But, like, on the Buffalo side, you're not going to go plug in Jacob Bryson just because you're playing Buffalo. That makes no sense to me. Yeah, I mean, we could put in Yan Cork, but, you, you know, I think that would, Yeah, that's only if D'Angelo doesn't play, I don't think. Let's just put in Carrier. So we have 3,500 for the last defenseman. Um, we could use Cody Cece, Matt Roy, Hamannick. Um, Justin Schultz, he's 3,500. Yeah, Justin Schultz is an interesting upside play there. Power is a hundred dollars too expensive. Let's just I think use- Schultz is the guy there just because he gets the power play time in a big total. Okay, let's do that. So, there is our sample lineup game stacking, uh, Philly and Buffalo. Stewie Skinner in net with Alex Carrier, Justin Schultz is our defenseman. You can see the 94.85 projection. And, of course, right there, you can export it 
to bring into uh, DraftKings or FanDuel, right? or if you want. So um, that's how your lineup builder can be used pretty quickly to build just about any lineup you want. You can see how they fit, which guys will fit, what they project like, and so on. I find it to be a very handy tool. Yeah, so you're pretty capped if you're putting in Buffalo one with Darlene. Yeah. Like, obviously, but, like, it's possible, which is nice to know because I think a lot of people won't click in Darlene with Buffalo one, so that might put you on a different path. But, yeah, that like the lineup builder, it's so much better building lineups there than, like, on DraftKings because then it saves and you're like, oh, man, I should have played this one, you know what I mean? So no buyer's remorse there, so you can fool around. You can see projections, this and that. But, yeah, that's the show for game. Got to talk a little strategy, which is always nice on these short slates. Uh, so for Cliffy, I'm Josh. Thank you to Prize Picks. Stay tuned for the NBA show. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow, and good luck, everybody. Good luck, everyone. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Con la frente arrugada de preocupación, el Padreus Protectorus siempre anda encima de sus hijos. Cuidado por donde manejas. Y evita la carretera que hay tráfico. ¿Saliste hace 20 minutos y no sé de ti? Pero el Padreus va evolucionando. Como State Farm está ahí las 24 horas, ahora están más tranquilos. Mijo, nos vamos solos a Tulum. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Llama para obtener una cotización hoy.